Welcome, everybody. We're excited to finally be here <laughs> live with uh, Bits and Books. Thanks to MSP Media Network. Um, so my thinking, I'd give everybody a little background of how we landed here. And then we would chat about Getting Naked, which I swear is a book. So that's why we're all here. Uh, again, if you're going to Google it, you should know the author's name is Patrick Lencioni, just to protect future uh, Google searches. So a group of us are all in a Slack together and are constantly you know, um, sharing other leadership book, business books, ideas, et cetera. And we decided we wanted to chat about it to actually get some takeaways as opposed to, I think so many times with book clubs, there are, um, or with books rather, you just read all the books and don't do anything about them. So we decided to, to aim to do this a little bit differently and maybe in public. So uh, that's what brought us here. Uh, I'll chat a little bit more about how we're going to handle book club, but first let's introduce all of the players. Uh, I am Marnie Stockman. I was co-founder of Lifecycle Insights. And um, and my experience with book clubs is 0, 0.0, but I did own a knitting shop where we had sit knits, which just inside secret, the knitters call stitching bitches. So I feel like that might be comparable to a book club. <laughs> so Ray, I'm going to pass it to you. Yeah, sure. Uh, Ray Rossini, uh, CEO and founder of OIT VoIP and MSP Media Network. Um, this is fun because this is the first show I get to be I get to participate instead of like host, so I'm just one of the uh, the audience, which is cool. Um, not gonna lie, I had to Google the what and the why of a book club, uh, and of course, ChatGPT gave me the answer. Um, so, but yay books! I do love books though. Perfect, Tim. Hey, good morning, good after whatever time zone it is. Tim Golden, founder of Compliance Risk. And so I've had the pleasure of participating in lots of book clubs over the years, but usually it was at my church and the book was the Bible. So when you try to uh, actually interpret the Bible, not fun. So I'm really looking forward to getting naked as opposed to <laughs> being naked in the garden with Adam and Eve. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Jason. Uh, Jason Slagle, uh, President CWR. Uh, did it? I've done a couple of these things. We were doing it at work for a while. We read a couple books, including Atomic Habits and a uh, Checklist Manifesto, a couple others. Uh, excited to do this, a more successful endeavor than Kyle Spooner's attempt to do the same thing about a year ago. <laughs> oh, well, I can't himself for Kyle. Um, there's no defense to that. I completely dropped the ball, completely my fault. Uh, my name is Kyle Spooner. I am a director of operations at Intellicom Technologies and MSP. I'm also the vice president uh, of MSP Geek. Um, my experience with book clubs uh, is similar to a lot of people here. Uh, zero. Um, everything I know, I learned from the episode of The Office, uh, the Finer Things Club, where uh, Jim's not allowed to join. Uh, so that's that's my experience. I, I'm, I, I know I have seen that episode, but I'm definitely going to have to go back and check it out. Chris? Uh, hi, I'm uh, Chris Dix, the founder of Chat Style CTO. Um, a lot of experience with books, not so much with clubs. I'm more of the Groucho Marx, wouldn't normally join a club that would have me as a member kind of thing, but this group is definitely uh, something to make an exception for. So uh, happy to be here. Excellent. Glad you made the exception. Lisa? But as you say that I am an avid book reader, I have a now around six bookshelves full of books of various authors, various varieties, whether it's science fiction, business, technology, 
And then there's also mystery and everything else thrown in there. Um, so I'm a constant reader myself. Um, I find it very hard to read on a Kindle. Um, I still love to have that book in my hand, but actually this is going to be my first book club. So I look forward to seeing how this all really works and be a contributor. Outstanding. Well, let me give a little overview of what we think we're going to be doing with this book club. But like all good things in SaaS industries, we will pivot as need be. Um, but we're thinking of doing this monthly, having two months worth of the same book so that, again, it's not just plow through a book for the sake of plowing through a book, but really try to take some of the items that are in the book and put them into action. So at the end of this episode, we're going to each go through and talk about something that we're aiming to implement. And then next month, we'll talk about kind of what happened from there. Um, we will have a different sort of host or facilitator each time uh, that will facilitate the conversation around the book. Um, this one, again, Getting Naked by Patrick Lencioni. The facilitator will be in charge of giving a little summary of the book. So that'll be me today. Uh, and then kind of having some prepared questions. And then, of course, free for all conversation. So if you're watching on any of the stream services, then you can add in chat. You can always, our link, our Zoom link is a live invite link. So anybody can join Zoom if they want to hop on the screen. So all are always welcome. Uh, and this time we decided we were going to break the book into two parts. And we were looking at the first 150 pages of Getting Naked. So Getting Naked is a business fable. One of the questions I'm going to ask at the end, if we, if we have time, is what folks think about business fables as opposed to kind of traditional uh, nonfiction books. So it's a business fable. So the author tells a story about a fake consulting company, actually two fake consulting companies. Um, and the one is sort of an industry leader, big um, consulting company, and the other is a small boutique firm. Uh, and because of personal issues for the smaller boutique firm, they get sold to the larger consulting company and they send in the, the narrator of the story to go learn about the, the, the new consulting org. And I would say what he sees at first is distressing. First, they were kind of competitors and they sometimes lost to this consulting company. So they weren't thrilled about being there. But as he dug in, he was kind of shocked to find um, some things about the way they ran their consulting business, which as someone who discusses business reviews and how MSPs should chat with their clients, it is part of what drew me to the book is the whole notion of consulting the way the boutique um, consulting org did. So, so the narrator of the story goes into this, their competitive organization and he's ready to be angry at them. He assumes that they hate them as much as he hate, you know, that they hate each other equally. Um, he thinks that they're going to have similar processes and he's shocked to find out that they don't in many ways. So this very professional consulting organization has all of these frameworks they use. They have a research plan, et cetera. And instead he finds out that this consulting group goes in and just starts asking questions. So I would say if I were to give one big theme of this, it would be around just go ask questions. Um, and then the other piece is that 
they, as they ask the questions, they kind of build things right in front of them instead of coming with prepared presentations. So I found that to be an interesting piece of it. The end of the fable, of course, the consultant going into the boutique org realizes that the boutique org is in fact onto something. Um, and he has to convince his organization that they're in fact doing the right thing. And he does this by explaining it, but better yet, getting testimonials about what that is. So I think we will we will see and hear some more about how we get there. But that's sort of the quick synopsis of the book. Um, I wanted to start with just, I think one of the things we want to talk about in a book, because a lot of times you read a book and it is all about like, oh, I love every bit of this book, but nobody ever thinks to critique that maybe some things aren't relevant or are, are potentially not good ideas for your business. So I always like the idea of a SWOT analysis, right? So strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And I would love to start with a little SWOT analysis about the fact that he titled the book, Getting Naked. So I think it's obvious, but right out of the gate, I'll just throw out the question to anybody. What's the strength of titling it, Getting Naked? Stock value. Value. Yeah. Marketing, right? Yeah. 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 So, so then what's the weakness? Uh, it's also known as an adult type of search. So if you try to Google it, try to find it online, if you don't add the author or business book or something like that, it's going to uh, give, give you results that you're not anticipating. <laughs> Questions from the significant other kind of thing. I got How those. Opportunities behind the title. Uh, I don't know. I'm bad at that. Um, yeah, I, I don't have any off the top of my head. I'm thinking sort of the marketing opportunities of that, right? To use the puns to get attention. It's sort of the same as strengths in this particular. Um, uh, although I think the threats that come with it are exactly what Kyle said, right? You might be grabbing the wrong crowd by having it. <laughs> so, you definitely end up grabbing the wrong crowd, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. Speaking of crowd, I see some familiar familiar names in the chat, so I love it. So, so let's dive into the actual book. Um, Tim, I'm going to throw this question to you to start, and then I want everybody to kind of respond to what, to what Tim has mm. to say about it. Uh, around page 85-ish of the book, um, Peter Patrick talks about why is it important to get rid of bad clients and what does it look like specifically in the MSP space? Mm -hmm. So um, I had a bunch of thoughts and resynthesized them because I love to talk, you know, it. so I narrowed it down to kind of three key points. Um, and I'm going to pull my notes up here, right? So one of them was around like the health and morale of your MSP, right? Bad clients can bring your staff down, can bring the morale down. And you know, I've got some bullet points around that, but key point number one, the health and morale of your MSP business. That's the first one. The second one is about authentic client relationships. You know, when I've had a bad client, I'm probably not going to give them the exact same service I might give somebody else, even though we try to operationalize that. There's that stigma of like, here we go again, right? And so that that having that uh, you know authentic relationship with our client as the second point, and the third, like 
around being service focused, right? Being open to being, you know, vulnerable and and like meeting their our genuine clients' needs, like having to do extra work and extra things for the bad client, like just makes it like not allowing us to have like that serviceability. So to, to summarize, uh, bad internal health and morale, uh, not being able to be service focused and not really having authentic client relationships are the sort of key contributing factors I, I thought about. How does that affect the MSP? Well, you're not efficient. You're, you know, you're angering your staff, that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, that's kind of where I kind of landed was like, Firing bad clients is something that I, I despise doing, but I kind of secretly like doing it too because they bring us all down. Yeah, what does everybody else think of that? Uh, I agree. Um, yeah. From a, a, a whole high, high level standpoint, I mean, there's a lot of nuance to determining if you have to determine a client's bad first off. Like, and there's a lot of nuance to figuring out if what the actual issue is if they are a bad client. Are you a bad provider? Like that. That's the first question. Like, are you doing a disservice to your client, causing them to be upset, making them a bad client? Um, that's where everyone I think should start. And um, that helps you associate uh, where you lack as a business and MSP and how to get better at uh, reaching them uh, as clients, right? You Or do you have an account management team? You know, what, what all that looks like. Um, and then you can go through and... Uh, you, practice yourself but sometimes clients just there's there's it's not a fit right bad client is a good way to say it but uh, it's just because everyone understands what that is but sometimes it's just not a good fit for you to provide for them and for them to be a client of yours and that's going to happen and you have to recognize that and let them go yeah it's a, very, I, it's a big struggle for people to let clients go and i don't i, I don't under, fully understand it, why yeah. a lot not all revenue is good revenue Right. Like it's, I, I mean, there's a semi-famous inside of our company story uh, where we had a relatively abusive client and he was berating one of my, like one of my employees on the weekend. And I went into the public slack and I'm like, look, man, I'm going to let, I'm not going to sit here on a weekend and let you be a a hole to my, and I didn't say a hole. I'm trying to be PG here. I'm not going to sit here and let you be an a hole to my employees. And uh, he took it all the way up to management and basically told management that I called him an a hole and we lost a client over it. And you know what? Don't care. Don't care. I was, he was stressing my team out. He was causing morale. It was a couple thousand dollars a month in revenue that we lost. And you know, everyone was happier at that end. Is there really such a thing as bad revenue? Like, yes. yes. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That was a that was a canned question. Yeah, I was like, way to get <laughs> unanimous head nods on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so Keith brings up in the chat, uh, Keith is vehemently against, he hates the topic of uh, firing clients. Um, and he's saying, uh, I hate the topic of firing clients when the fact most uh, likely would you is that you would be onboarding and managing the client wrong, just my take. Tolerance is a lost skill we need to teach people in their space. Uh, and then says, sorry, I'm opinionated on this topic. Sir, you're opinionated on all topics. So, <laughs> as, we are, as we all are. But he also adds at the bottom, how did you vet this sale, yeah. right? Yes. As a yeah, prospect, correct. Yeah. Which I think, if you have a right fit prospect, then you don't end up with the 
wrong revenue. Right. And so, but it's okay. So I look at, I look at the client thing and, and employees, same way. I look at it like a fish tank. It's an ecosystem. Anybody who's ever had a fish tank knows it takes very, very little to mess up the balance of the ecosystem. Go badly. Yeah, badly. I mean, you can like sneeze the wrong direction. Suddenly it's green and everybody's yelling up. I've had multiple fish graveyards. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh yeah. So, but my point is, a bad client can infect your staff. It can infect your staff's opinion and tolerance for other clients as well. Because you get off that call, you had a bad moment. Maybe you got berated. Maybe it was your fault. Maybe it wasn't your fault. But that's going to color your react your behaviors on the next call. We're human. It's it's impossible to get away from that. Um, very few people will step away and say, "I need to breathe before that." And besides that, if you're management, you shouldn't be allowing it, right? Like that's that should be. Right. You should protect your staff. Absolutely. So you don't always know that when you're interviewing a new client, a new prospect. You try, but it's like dating. You don't end up marrying everybody you date. Well, most people don't end up marrying everybody. You, date. <laughs> yeah. you know, Does ideally. Showing that. Just in case. But yeah, look at it like that. Like, yes, firing is a very last resort, but the way we've always handled it in-house is we will ask the staff. Somebody will propose a client for firing. We'll have a staff meeting. We'll discuss it. We'll discuss the revenue as part of it, um, and we'll do it as a very data-driven conversation as a group. And the company picks it. If they decide we're getting rid of them as a whole, we're getting rid of the client, uh, regardless of revenue size. But they so, understand the impact. I mean, if an MSP is constantly walking on eggshells with a particular client, like that's going to undermine our expertise, right? We are the experts, right? How many clients go to their cleaning lady and tell our cleaning person and tell them you're not cleaning it right? No, they let them go and clean, right? But us as experts in our field being able to like not get undermined because a client tells us A, B, or C because they had a Google, a nephew, or a friend tell them something, <laughs> right? So I just think that whole undermining piece, yes, right, like you said, vet the client, build the relationship, continue and restore and maintain the relationship. But if it's continuing to undermine your business, as Jason said, berating your staff, like at some point, it's just not healthy. And just like any dating relationship, you don't marry, well, unless you're on Bachelor, you don't marry the first person you meet, right? It's a it's an iterative growing process. So uh, Keith brings up, uh, Brian says he agrees with my point about impact to staff. For him, it's so much of a client fit about taking care of your team. Keith says his, his beef is with the word, he would live with mutual separation, firing his ego-based okay. statement. I don't disagree with that. Yeah, I've always yeah, led yeah. with, even when I fire them, I've always lived with, yeah. look, this is a relationship. Both of us need to be happy. If you're not happy and I can't make you happy and I think we should just separate and I should help you find somebody else. It's you can, me, not you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You you can say, I mean, in my experience, not to be crass about it, you can say F you and get a smile and a thank you back if you do it properly. Um, and that's the skill we should all have. That's the other half of this conversation. You don't want to burn bridges. You don't want to sit there and, and create somebody that's going to trash talk you in all the you know places you don't want to see it. So you can separate nicely. You don't have to call it firing, but you're absolutely terminating the relationship. There's yeah. no qualms about it. One well, and, and to bring another book into this, if you read the pumpkin plan, it yeah. talks about pumpkin planning those not right fit clients, right? And 
And we always segment clients into who those may well be. And there are lots of reasons. You really, Ray, to your point, need to do the data analysis on why they're not the right client, right? Are they underpaying because they're needier than you thought they would be and really you need to negotiate a new contract? Or is there, are they, I always say, do they have servers from 1902? And so that's causing all kinds of pain and they can either pay to eliminate the technical problem that's making them an annoying client so that things can run more smoothly. Or in fact, are they just not a good fit? You kind of need to, to move on from there. Um, so if, if for folks who love books, if you're looking for another one, Michael McCallowitz, The Pumpkin Plan speaks kind of exactly to that. I see it's in the chat. Um, my next question, Kyle, we're going to jump to this, which is kind of very different because we just talked about firing clients. And now we're going to talk about transitioning from it. Now, the phrase is not in the book, but there are portions of the book. I used to be a teacher that very much reminded me of how I was trained to be not the sage on the stage that knew all the things, but the guide on the side. So first, you can all say, well, that might be great for education, but I disagree as an MSP. <laughs> or you can say, I can see some places where that's important. So Kyle, curious curious to hear your take on that. I would say that's an extremely accurate statement. Um, like it, it applies extremely well to MSPs. Some, most of the time when you go into a, a, a new client relationship, you're trying to be the expert, right? You're trying to be the sage on the stage. Um, here, I'm showing you my value. Here's what we do. Here's how we get to that. Um, but as you build that relationship, as you understand their business, and as you understand their vertical, you want to try to move towards being uh, the guide on the side going, hey, I know you're using this and you're doing this process, which kind of touches IT, but doesn't really. But if you did it this way, with this specific software package, you would gain this much more. That's what... Uh, a lot of the, I don't, I don't want to say better MSPs, but more operationally mature MSPs do. Um, they target the- Trusted uh, advisors in the space, uh, right? <laughs> trusted advisors. Uh, they they build that relationship so that they're experts in that vertical, that business line, so they can go and help that business and serve it not just with IT, but with uh, CTO services, CIO services, um, all kinds of stuff along those those lines. Um, and I think it absolutely fits. Um, now there's specific segments where some of those don't exactly work, but both of those have their place in the MSP space. Yeah. I mean, there are times where you have to say, I, in fact, am the authority here, right? To Tim's point, you are the expert, but there are other times when letting them, you, what I took from this book, the first time I read it was, I, in fact, want my lawyer to know more about law than than their MSP, right? Mm -hmm. Than their consultant, et cetera. So let them be that, right? And help them deliver those outcomes. I'm curious, Lisa, if you have any follow-up on that. I don't want to throw you under the bus. I just want to make sure everybody has a chance to chat if they want to. I, you're not throwing me under the bus. I, I'm usually pretty good, quick on my feet in some ways. Um, you know, I, I can see the point on, I've actually had to in the past several months, manipulate um, and shift how I actually present myself and my company when it comes to a new client. And I did this last night for a potential new client that's in, in Pennsylvania. And I took a, a totally different approach and understood. And, and it's asking those questions first and getting that information from that potential client. You know, one of my top questions, well, what's your security stack? What are you using for your security? What 
you know, what is your potential of growth in the next three, five, 10 years? Well, I just went from IT to now business. And now back and going, what do you, do you, do you like to be at home a lot and work from home or do you re, do remote work? Do you go to your cabin and stuff? I just went from technology to business now to personal. And I think that just kind of topsy-turvied a little bit the client. And then they said, well, I'm having these issues and these issues and these issues. And I go, I, I understand. Let's start with this issue you're having. This is how I perceive it. This is how I would possibly look at it because I might have a different view. How I do an ankle tape job is not going to be the same as the trainer next to me doing the same tape job. I'm left-handed, they're right-handed, but we're getting to point, we're getting to the same point. They might've created hiccups along the way and ignored or tried to ignore or thought they had fixed it, but they didn't look further underneath that rock and see there's five more issues. They were waiting for the problem. They wanted that client. I don't want my clients to call me. I don't want them. I just, that, that. that's, that's not my job. My job is to, make you sleep better at night, which makes me sleep better at night. I know things are taken care of. Yeah, I hear about the, the stuff going on. So I think it's it's a really balancing act of, like you say, that sage on the stage of being that expert. But ask those questions first. Like you just brought up when, you know, the consultant business went in and they observed and asked the question. You're pulling that information. Yeah, I see. I understand what you're going but I'm not going to fix it right then and there. But in my opinion, in my eyes, this is how I would do it. But I'm not saying that other person was wrong. So that's kind of how I, I guess of being that one, that expert, but then also be the guide at the same time. So well, in the book, um, they, uh, I think it, this is like centered around when uh, the big business who bought the smaller boutique company goes onto a sales call with one of the, uh, the boutique sales consultants. Um, and they go into uh, a place that they've never been before. And the only thing he has with him is a briefcase. Uh, and then he leaves that briefcase in the car and just brings a piece of paper and a yeah. pen. That is it. All That's all he brings with him. There's yeah. no print marketing material. There's no uh, brochure about their business. That's all he brings with him. And all he does for the first 30 minutes of the meeting is ask questions about the things that you can generally find on your own, like how big's the business, uh, how long they've been around, what verticals are they in, like stuff, you know, things you can Google and, and start getting an idea to pitch the sales for. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think, centered around this question is, uh, I'm not here to sell you on my business. I'm here to help you and show you my value exactly. immediately, yeah. um, which can be done like as an MSP, as an IT vendor, as anyone, you can walk into a business and being like, why uh, i'm just curious as to why you have this type of setup i haven't seen it done this way before uh, and i'm curious as to how that works for you is it working well it's not um what about trying this and that and, on site and doing something like that immediately shows what you're capable of as a company and as an individual and i think that's what they're trying to get around by being the uh, guide on the side is just asking questions and being there Versus coming in headstrong of like, hey, this is my stack and I'm right. All right. Like, so it, that's so off putting. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. everyone else is doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but to go in and question, and the way you said that, you have to keep in mind somebody did make that decision, mm -hmm. right? 
So you don't want to come in abusing the person that made that decision because you're probably talking to them, right? So, and they might have a very valid reason on why they did come to that, yeah. which I think is really yeah. mission I mean, critical. You're, you're basically attacking someone's decision-making and you've met them 10 minutes ago. Like that's, right, just, that's... Oh, that immediately uh, turning south of a relationship that you're just trying to establish. Yeah. yeah. Just, you know, that'd be a major turnoff for me. I already right. know I don't like being told I'm wrong, but I really don't <laughs> want to meet you and be told that like straight up. Oh, it's good to meet you. Why have you made all the decisions in your life? <laughs> yeah, why are so you far? an idiot? <laughs> why are you the How way that you are? have you been running are? a successful business because you're an idiot? Yeah, for uh, sure. I mean, the other thing to consider, right? So the whole premise about the book is being vulnerable, right? And Marnie, I think you might be getting into this in some of the other questions, right? So if I'm if I'm a, an MSP and I'm approaching a prospect or even an existing client, being vulnerable enough to say, yeah, I don't know about that, but teach me about that portion of your business. Help me understand why you make the widget green instead of purple, right? Being that vulnerable, getting naked in front of your client opens up that conversation more. I've seen it firsthand. It's happened to me firsthand where I literally have said to a client, I have no idea what you do or why you do it. I was going through this major CMMC thing and like literally five or six weeks into these weekly conversation, it finally hit me like, I have no idea how you're running your business. Can we just level set and restop and change? Like spend the next hour telling me about how you're doing stuff. And it completely changed the work. It completely changed the relationship with the client. Because I was able to admit, I have no idea what you're talking about. And this is now not how it works. Until well, I understood kind of how it works. Lead to the next question, which Chris, I'm going to throw to you. Um, so there's a lot of talk in the book, to Tim's point, about the fact that they didn't do any selling, right? That was one of the, right. like, what do you mean you don't have any salespeople? That was one of the, because the smaller company was way more profitable. Um, and part of it was they didn't have any salespeople, right? Additional and so they won a lot of accounts without doing any selling. So, so what is your take on what that looks like in the book or the MSP space? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that part of the the book, and and to what uh, Tim and, and Kyle said about the the showing the vulnerability, like the getting in there, asking the questions, um, not leading with the idea that you already know everything, um, but especially about the the honesty of it, and and the the it dealt a lot in the book about uh, not ask. There's no stupid questions like um, that you can ask these questions if you don't know something. Um, I think there was one point in the book where somebody was uh, consulting uh, with the the 49ers and didn't know who Jerry Rice was, and it just <laughs> just asked the question like, "Who's Jerry Rice?" And yeah, it's like yeah. to have that level of honesty um, and uh, open vulnerability to the the client gives. Uh, gives them a certain level of trust in you, like to, to know that you're going to be honest and open and uh, that sort of sells itself, right? That, that honesty. And I think that, that that's true for, for just about anything. And I'm, I'm trying to think about it in terms of my business. Uh, you know, I did a lot of consulting um, and, and, but from even from a product standpoint, having that kind of honesty about not knowing uh maybe what they what they do or what an acronym means or um and, and just uh getting in there and showing your value through through that level of honesty i think is is 
is something that I'm going to definitely try to to do more going forward. And and I think that it, it could be of value to to any any business, not just MSPs. I will caution uh, that there is one of the things that does call out in the book, though, is that you do have to be competent, right? Like, so there's, you can lean on the dumb and at some point or another, the client's just going to think you're dumb. If you're too dumb, you, you do yeah. have to have some skill there. You do have to bring something to the table. Uh, so it's, it, there's, it's, it's a fine balancing act, honestly. No, that's, that's true. Chris, I you're, um, just so you know, your shirt is uh, taking the chat by storm. Uh, you, <laughs> oh, <laughs> fans, of a, I'm, I'm not even from Baton Rouge, but uh, but but I love the chips. So so the um, I think there's a level of confidence when you are competent, Jason, that lets you then allow for a mistake to be a mistake as opposed to a crushing exposure of your every inner weakness, yeah. right? And um, I, I, there were pieces, so it wasn't in this book. I was reading another book, which really reminded me when I was teaching, of course, in front of high schoolers and doing computations in front of them all day, every day. Yeah. Sometimes you're going to misadd something. And of course, the first time it happens, they all fall to their chairs, laughing that Miss Stockman, the math teacher, you know, misadded two pieces, um, you know, two numbers. And then when it when that didn't become a soul crushing event for me they're like okay that didn't get any play she knows she knows the calculus she just made a mistake and and we rolled on from there so i think you when you do have the competence the confidence that comes with it will let yeah. you roll right past those pieces yeah it also helps you build relationships with those who you're working with yeah um which is possibly one of the most important things you can do in establishing new business um yeah, one of one of my strategies is I tend to try to ask a lot of really dumb questions, whether or not I already know the answers to them, just to try to get the other people in the room talking about them. Kyle, I think you've experienced this with some of the MSP GeekCon meetings. Like I, I will ask a really dumb question that everyone probably knows the answer to because we're making assumptions. Everyone's got their own internal assumptions about that. And I'd rather just ask the dumb question and get it, get it called out so we can actually have a discussion about it. It's, it's important. Some it also may not know that the question. confidence of others. Yeah. Yeah. You may not know what someone may actually need to ask that question, but it's too afraid to ask too. Yep. That's going to be happening, especially in uh, high value situations where you and some, maybe a junior to you is sitting in front of an entire leadership team, a C-level suite. And that could be massively intimidating to most people. I mean, mm -hmm. and they're, they don't know what acronym ABC means, but if you ask it, they're they're going to be more grateful to you than anything else you do in that. Thing. <laughs> <That's exactly laughs> all um, because so yep, all books all day every day for me. I'm listening to Who Not How, um, mm -hmm. and they tell a story about how they were really trying to help leaders, CEOs in particular, be more accessible and take more feedback, so they didn't have to own all the things. They knew all the things, and Melinda Gates was one of the. Um, leaders that they were talking to. And I, I'm sure you've seen the the thing where like read mean Twitters, where celebrities read mm -hmm. mean tweet, uh, read, sorry, read mean tweets, um, where they read the mean tweets that are about them live and they react, um, you know, and so what they did in the company was ask everyone to anonymously put in positive and negative feedback. And then Melinda Gates read some of them out loud 
and blind, like completely blind to her in a company meeting. And some of them were like, I always think, you know, everything. So I don't think I never think to critique you that often happens, right? If you're that person on the pedestal, nobody ever actually comes at you because they think you're just going to be right anyway. And she said, oh yeah, I do that. I should really work on that. And when, when they, she started taking their criticisms as, oh, that is something I always struggle with you know, here here are some things I could do about it. They felt like that was the most impactful part of the meeting because they saw her as human and felt like they could engage. So the really junior members of the team, when she asked for feedback would actually provide feedback. Otherwise, whatever she said was just like, yep, we're going, we're going with that. I don't dare question whatever Melinda Gates had to say about that. Title paralysis is a thing for sure. (laughs) I like that. I've never heard it phrased that way. Yeah. I mean, because it happens to me. Like I've, it's it's less about the person and more about the role that they're in because you know if you think ceo you think multi-billion dollar because that's all that's been pushed to you you know in media and materials and books and movies all of it right the ceo is this high level multi-billionaire who's running this powerful organization and now you're sitting in front of a ceo who maybe only makes like barely six figures and uh is just go out and have a beer with you like right now, if you wanted to, uh, but, uh, I don't know how you could be talking about, <laughs> uh, exactly. Um, but you don't like the, the, you, all you see is the title. You don't see the person behind it. Yeah, for sure. And the reality is, is we're all just humans. Anyways, we all put our pants on the same way, except for maybe Jason, but yeah, we yeah. Oh, I jump in. Jump I jump in into mine. feet yeah, off 100%. of a trampoline. Is that- I don't know if I agree with everyone's all human. I've met some pretty robotic people out there. Yeah, um, that's who, who uh, just as strong as chat GPT. And I, <laughs> I, I actually think for those people though, it's, it's also really trying for the people that constantly get put on the pedestal, right? Like they're just trying to be people, right? Most yeah, of them accidentally ended up in that position, yeah. right? Like they don't know, yeah. even if you set out to be a CEO, right? Like you, it, there's a journey you took to get there. And uh, I think that it it's, I even see it at our small little org that people treat me different because I'm the big boss and it's like, I'm just a person, right? Like, so I try to treat other people, uh, including the guy I'm pretty sure you were speaking of earlier is just a person. And I think we get along because of that, right? Because it's like, Hey, you want to go get a beer? Like his employees would never do that. Right. That is actually a very unique perspective, Jason, which I'm going to, I'm going to digress. Like what can we do at our MSPs as leaders in just our MSPs and in the business world, right? Like what can we do to be more naked, more vulnerable to just to our staff, right? To those around us, right? You, You said, you know, Sometimes staff are afraid to bring the hard questions up to the CXO, the C, like, what can we do to sort of foster that relationship? If we're going to take this book, Getting Naked at Heart, how can we then help our staff and or our clients be more naked with us? I actually have, uh, go ahead, Lisa. Oh, sorry. I think I I did this uh, many, many, many years ago. And a couple of my a couple of my guys have, have gone onward, which is a good thing, but I still have one. And one of the first things I did is I said, okay, we're gonna meet out. We're gonna go someplace neutral, not in the office or anything, or come here. I said, we're gonna meet out and walk in. And 
you know, we were kind of, I would say at a sports bar because they know I like sports and stuff. And we met at a sports bar. And one of the things was, is after about 10 minutes, they kept talking about work. Yeah, 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 yeah. I finally put the kibosh to it. I said, that's it. Stop. I don't want to hear anything more about technology. I don't care. We're not going to talk about clients. We're not going to talk about work. We're not going to talk. I want you to find something else to talk about. And they were thinking I was going to lead it off with like one of my trips to the Caribbean or something like that. Our table was dead silent for five minutes. <clears throat> Excuse me, five minutes. I didn't say a word. I didn't say a word. And finally, someone chimed up and they started talking about more personal stuff. Get outside the technology world. Start talking about the personal stuff. I do the same thing with my clients. When I go on location, I look around, you know, different pictures, what do they have on their desk. Ray, your kitty cat, you know, <laughs> start talking. You know, I used to have a big cat, too, and I, I miss her dearly. I have a picture of her trying to lay right there on my workbench. But talk more about personal stuff, whatever it is. Do they like to go on, go in a, a canoe? Do they like to go, you know, okay, they talk about gaming. I had to shut that off too. I finally, <laughs> I had to shut that off. Get more personable, get more. And you know what? Sitting down and having a beer with them, it soon began a couple of beers. Then all of a sudden they start throwing shots in and they go, Lisa, you would go to the Caribbean. So we know you drink more than that, you know. <laughs> but you get that more personable and when you start doing that inside your environment then they start exercising that outside with their clients and when they do that that retention for that client becomes longer and stronger because it, you you have that personal relationship and so that's a good way of doing it of trying to get outside that box a little bit my first immediate my first immediate thought was to, as a, a CEO, um, is to do what your team does. You, you, you're an MSP, go work on the help desk for a day, take mm -hmm. some tickets. Um, like there's nothing like if, if my CEO sat beside me and started doing password resets, like, first off, I would be shocked <laughs> and probably die laughing because that's just a hilarious situation. But I've also endeared them to, because they're, yeah. As a CEO, you're not going to know the exact policies and procedures on how to do a password reset. Let's be honest. Oh for yeah, most, I, for most I MSPs, stop doing them because because uh, <laughs> I get them so, wrong. Okay, you're, you're so going to have to crazy be... guy because I do jump into different departments and I'll do yeah. stuff. I did say I most follow the docs. Yeah. Um, I use that as the opportunity to say, hey, what? Because as an MSP, because of the fact that I'm not the one doing it every day, a lot of the stuff is now foreign to me. So if the doc's not really well written. I get my stupid moments and I'm like, wait, I can't do this. I can't do that. And then I start identifying, hey, guys, this doc needs to be dumbed down a good bit so anybody can do this. Right. And so I, I like I like doing that. Um, I, and I, the staff yeah. does like it, I think. I think um, because so, as you're going to ask questions, right, you're sitting there doing a password reset. You're going to be like, hey, John Smith, how do what what where is this password located? I can't get to it. It's none of the documentation, right? Right. right? Well, you you have to. You don't know where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, but uh, you're going to like I as an MSP, my documentation is not going to be absolutely perfect for every client as much as I would love it to be. Um, but uh, so you're going to have to ask questions. Uh, but even just sitting and doing that uh, once a like once a month, um, as Lisa was talking about, there's a good book called Nine Minutes on Monday, which is talking about being personal. It's the um, book. Uh, it is the book. Uh, you, you, 
you you uh, it's it's very simple premise you spend nine minutes on monday talking to all of the, your, your staff and you just talk about personal you talk about not work you 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 establish that relationship individually with that person yeah. um and it's a it's it's just it's a simple thing that you just don't sometimes it doesn't click until someone tells you to do it because it makes sense and your brain's just not focused on that thing and it's just something that's super super important and some folks don't know how to do that because that's not their native language. So one of the things that we did, because we were all remote, right? So we hired folks remote, never met them live, but still needed to kind of build that relationship. So one of the things we would do when we would have our company quarterly meetings is we would do hot seat. So we'd put everybody on the hot seat for a minute or new employees as we grew and would ask silly questions, Superman or Batman, right? Red blue, red pill, blue pill, you know, would you rather fly or would you rather be able to read minds, you know, name your favorite superhero power as silly things, right? Cats or dogs, whatever. But it was interesting, favorite vacation, favorite color, whatever. You'll find something in that to have a conversation around. It might be heated debate around Superman versus Batman, right? Um, but it might also be like, oh, I've been to that place or I grew up here. This is on my bucket list. So having those canned questions to force everyone to kind of have some personal pieces that are silly and not, right? Could you say personal, like, I'm not, I'm not asking for a therapy session the first time I no. meet you, right? So start with some easy, you know. Talking uh, about Batman and Superman, we have something similar at uh, my MSP, except it's not superhero related. It's crunchy peanut butter versus smooth peanut butter. Oh, fair. Crunchy is the answer, but I love no, that it's you not. asked uh-uh. people. It's smooth. It is smooth. Uh, 100%. Emacs versus Vim? Uh, well, that might be a, that might be a little specific to somebody. Uh, um but uh, and, uh, we actually, uh, so our PSA system has the ability to, when you log in every day, to be able to select the mood you're in. And we have uh, happy, excited, sleepy, uh, existential crisis, uh, <laughs> crunchy peanut butter day, smooth peanut butter day. Like we've adapted all of our stuff uh, so that we can, you know, we, I'm, I'm just having a real smooth peanut butter day today, guys. <laughs> uh, Fantastic. So-, <laughs> nice. so that kind of, I feel like, we wanted to end. We've got nine minutes left. I'm a good, you know, like as a teacher, I know when the bell's going to ring and you're all going to leave class, whether I'm ready for you or not. So I got to get us there. Um, so we wanted to end with some next steps of something you wanted to implement from the book. And if nothing else, I think we could take something around the like, be more personable with the team. Um, but would love to hear everybody's one takeaway, something they want to try before we come back in a month um, or some intention maybe around getting naked. <laughs> the book. The book um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Please. Please. If we could keep it to that, that'd be great. <laughs> I don't have an HR department to send anybody to. So, so what, what are we thinking for a takeaway? What would we like to try or what is this book having us think about? Um, we're in the process of rebuilding our entire sales department. Um, something that we haven't had organized before that we're starting to put in systems and processes in place to do that. So I'd like to focus on demonstrating value versus presenting value. Love it. I'm I'm actually going to write these down. Oh God. So that, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to have an action item. Yeah. <laughs> Marty's giving herself homework. Maybe uh, at least I'm giving myself now. homework Pardon. as you give yourselves homework. <laughs> So I think for for us, for me personally, like, as Jason said, being vulnerable to ask the dumb question, right? If I don't know the answer, 
being more vulnerable to ask it, right? Being more open to stop, pump the brakes, back up and be like, what does that acronym mean? What does that thing, like, tell me more. So being open to asking the why question and open to, I don't know, you tell me, help me grow. Like it? Jason? Ooh. Yeah, so I'll take, uh, uh, we've been, uh, we just merged with uh, LTS. And so mm -hmm. I'm dealing with a lot of billing and other related things to their, uh, some of their clients. And I find myself pushing down the road that I don't want myself to go down, which is uh, everything's about numbers and profit margin and everything along those lines. And uh, so my takeaway is to stop and, and look at the why and look at the, okay, well, you know, if the customer challenged a bill or they challenged a charge, like, let's have a discussion about that. Like, what do they think that we got wrong that that should, uh, we should do differently instead of just saying, no, it's this way, this is what it costs and this is what it is, right? Because it, you know, it may end up resulting in us parting ways with some of those customers because the value gap is just too wide, but it, it it's at least worth having those discussions. I like it. Chris? Uh, yeah, for, for me, it's been, uh, you know, we've been in this startup mode where like, you know, any, every customer that shows up is like, yes, we'll, we'll do whatever. And, and maybe the idea that there is bad revenue, that there are opportunities that we should not be taking because we have finite time and resources, um, you know, maybe look at it and say, no, you would probably be better off with our competitor, you know, and, 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 you know, hand them over and, and focus on, uh, finding the right opportunities and uh, and paying attention by asking those questions and, and trying to do a better job of that. Lisa? I'm going to take a little bit of a broader stroke and be able to have the time to talk about my why based on a very life-changing event that has occurred and how I'm using that to have my business and have better clients. Nice. Ray, you are a keeper of all moving forward um, announcements, et cetera. So your homework can just be, I'm going to roll the credits, Marnie, but you yeah, have that works. Away, so it's <laughs> we actually do have some upcoming events. This was fun. This was a quick, uh, this was a nice, uh, Thing to go through but uh we do have some upcoming events phil can you give us the uh the upcoming events absolutely well we just did bits and books episode one but next up on sunday that's the 27th we have msp community live episode eight at 7 p.m eastern time then next week we're going to pick up with wins and losses that's tuesday at 7 30 eastern time and then on wednesday we'll have ai roundup episode 25 at 10 a.m for you followed by partner first the that's the same day i believe or that's the 30th at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And then a new episode of 38 at 38. It's episode 16 with Joe Purcell. And as always, on Tuesdays and Fridays at 10 a.m. Eastern time, the MSP Dispatch presented by the MSP Media Network. There you go. Thanks so much, everybody. Till next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Thanks so much. Thanks. Bye.
been a broadcast of the MSP Media Network.